Welcome to Crushing Disappointment. Yes, this episode is about football, but if you're not interested in that, stay with me because we're not talking about goals or stats and, I don't know, free kicks. It's mostly about the emotional connection that people have to football teams and how that equates to a crush or is, I guess, a substitute for it. Because I think football's come up a couple of times in the podcast and I thought it'd be a good idea to have a football episode, especially with the World Cup. Uh, we actually recorded this on the day of the World Cup final, but um, it looked like England were going to be in the final when I organised it. That wasn't the case, and the World Cup seems like a long time ago now, so it's not quite as timely as I'd imagined it would be. But I hope it's still interesting. So um, Azim, I don't think I'd seen Azim in about two years, because he lives in Mauritius, and when he texted me to say he was going to be in the country, I forced him to do a podcast, so um, that's the kind of friend I am. I was going to call this episode a different title, maybe The Red Devils, to try and trick people who don't like football into listening, but um, I respect you too much to do that. Um, in order to keep to the 10 episode limits, with this being episode 11, episode 1 is now going to disappear, and that's going to keep continuing, so whenever a new episode appears, the oldest episode will disappear, although I haven't really got anyone lined up for my next episode, and I'm, I'm going on holiday, which will be nice um, soon, so... Um, I don't know if you do fancy doing it, you can either, I don't know, tweet me at DisappointMatt or, I don't know, text me. Here's the crush. So how did you support Man United? How did that come about? My dad was a big supporter of Man United since I was little. I ended up watching matches with him and 1999 was really what, what brought me to football and supporting the club. Uh-huh. So what, was that, what happened in 99? 1999 was a treble. Uh, okay, yeah, yeah, okay. Yeah. So what's that? That's the, the Premier League? The Premier League, the FA Cup and the Champions League. So I guess if you started off in 99, which is like, or oh, that was the, when you really got into yeah. it. So that's like the treble. I don't, has, no other team has done that as far as No other team has done that before. So like super high expectations. Mm. I, guess, I guess my thing is, so having supported Leicester, who have been yeah. crap for most of my life, I go into most games expecting we're going to lose. Yeah. And then it's an, it's an amazing feeling when we win, especially if it's against a good team. Yeah. Do you not feel like by supporting Man United, it's kind of like you're expecting to win. And so maybe you, you experience more dread from it than joy. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Most of the time, the last, actually, at least in the last five, six years, seven years, maybe, mm-hmm. it's more of a dread. And watching a football match is a dread and... Uh, <laughs> It's not, it's not necessarily about winning or losing. It's about the way the, the matches are being played. And mm-hmm. if you see the team not being fully into the match, that makes you quite uh, depressed. Yeah. After watching how they were playing in 1999, for instance. Mm-hmm. So that, that, that is quite a difference. Yeah. So I, I don't know if these two things are the same thing, but I'm saying that Manchester United fans have great expectations... Is that the same thing as like optimism? Like, do you go into Man United matches thinking you're going to win? Yeah, you expect to win. <laughs> you're meant to win. That's, that's, <laughs> that's, the, that, that's the difference with supporting a big club. You're <laughs> meant to win. And then when you don't win, it means it's dreadful. It's, <laughs> uh, it's not the norm what it should be. Yeah. But uh, recently it's been... Uh, it's again, again, it's not about the winning that's not there. It's... Uh, You've, you see the passion's not there as much. And mm-hmm. that is what uh, has been 
I guess for a lot of United fans, that has been what makes it worse. Mm. It's not about not winning. You might still be playing good and not winning. But yeah. You feel that the team's not not ready to play good or not playing good. And mm. that's, that's what's frustrating. Uh, I mean, for me, for instance, what I didn't like in the last few years was, or even now, you, United is not a team that spends 80 minutes defending. Mm-hmm. And this is what frustrates you more than losing, mm-hmm. in a sense. Uh, it's been more enjoyable watching a Leicester match <laughs> than a United match uh, two or three years ago. Yeah. It doesn't, for me, it doesn't make sense. But that's what uh, you wouldn't want. Mm. So there's like, there's a way that a Manchester United side for you needs to play yeah. in order to sort of imbue yeah. Manchester United. Yeah, there's a way. And the, uh, the way is you, you need to be playing good football and attacking and uh, going towards the goal. Mm-hmm. A United uh, side, I think maybe, maybe it's uh, cultural or maybe it's just my perception of how the team should be playing. Mm-hmm. Is that you? You shouldn't be a team that is defending or just playing around and passing the ball on just to lose time. This is not what a good team or mm-hmm. a decent team should be doing. Yeah. And then the rest is just about winning and losing. Yes, you are not expecting yourself to lose, but uh, I think I think for me personally, this is not the main the main item of the game. Mm-hmm. The main item is playing good football. Yeah. Do you, is it not a, a fear, perhaps, that so was it, is it the 70s that Liverpool were the team? And then from then on, Liverpool haven't quite been able to reach... I guess they don't have the money of the, some of the other big clubs. And the fan base really sort of hammered down on the history as being the most important thing about Liverpool. Yeah. If the game's moved on that you can't do attacking football anymore, is there a point where Manchester United has to... See, I'm talking rubbish now because I don't actually know. Yeah. But is there a point in which does... Can can a, a team have a philosophy of how to play football? Does it need to adapt? Does it need to change? Yeah, a team has to have a philosophy. Mm. For for me, it's not about okay. Attacking football is one philosophy, but there's the example. But you need to have a philosophy. And what I feel right now is that the team doesn't have any philosophy. It's just a game by by game. Uh, this match because it's we're playing Liverpool, we're just going to defend the whole match. Mm-hmm. Or this match because we're playing Leicester, we're going to attack. Mm-hmm. This is not. Uh, philosophy mm-hmm. uh, it's this is uh, just playing according to circumstances that's i guess i guess maybe it's a, a utopian idea of how i feel a game or a team should be playing but mm-hmm. for me you need to have a philosophy of football and you need consistency in how you play football and that's what i've seen lacking and i guess maybe ferguson had that uh, in a way people revered him and it, and he was like known as uh, the all-knowing god of uh, football and no one would question him in a way Mm -hmm. so i guess that is what uh, what has given a philosophy or given a semblance of philosophy Mm -hmm. i guess lately with the last few managers some of which you might not even remember the names of the managers (laughs) it doesn't doesn't feel like you have that Mm. is the counter argument to that though if say you take Arsene Wenger, who people very much held up as having a style of play at Arsenal, yes. but yet the Arsenal fan base, I guess much in a similar way, had great success. God, was it fifteen years ago now? Yeah, it's sort of uh, wanting that success, but also wanting the style of play. Yeah. and it'll be interesting to see what happens to Arsenal now that Wenger's left. Yeah. So I guess they're coming from a different perspective where they're still getting that um, philosophy, but not the results. So. 
is it just whoever whatever type you get like people aren't happy unless they're winning yeah yeah people aren't happy unless they're winning but people (laughs) are not happy even winning without the philosophy Mm. i think that so if man you won the league playing awful football that wouldn't be a result for you no it wouldn't and i think i think it was the case when chelsea won the league Mm. uh, with Mourinho with awful football and just playing one one nil matches Mm -hmm. yes chelsea fans would be happy but they wouldn't be happy, happy. Yeah. So I think you need both. If you have the philosophy without winning or winning without the philosophy, you can't. And for me, that was, I guess I got into football at the time where you had both. So mm-hmm. my expectations are a bit higher than, yeah, yeah. Uh, than what uh, what you would get. Because mm-hmm. I guess if um, when I was growing up, if Leicester had a philosophy, it was throw it away in the last 10 minutes. Yeah. <laughs> 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 that is that is what, what what that is exactly what I wouldn't want United to be doing. Yeah. Just this is not what football is about mm-hmm. for for me, or in a sense for me, you you would need to have that adrenaline mm-hmm. uh, in a football match, which you can't find in a, in a Man United game anymore. Yeah. And this is what is frustrating. Is is there a difficulty in being a football fan in which? Like people in, in put so much like emotional investment into their football team, but also they are a, like a business, and you've got two sides where, while we as fans want good football, there's a business element where you just want to win games. Like, do you do you ever yeah. find? I mean, this isn't how I want to like phrase this question, but sometimes I can feel like a, a bit of a muppet for getting invested in football because it's mm. it's that thing where it's I don't know eleven millionaires who. <laughs> and sort of like kicking a ball about I don't know, I'm being like flippant but kind of um, I, I guess with me, me my local team as well it feels like they're representing me but they're not because none of them are actually from Leicester and so I guess if I'm going to go really overboard for me football is a bit like life in that when I think about it, I find it meaningless, but you kind of have to put the meaning in it to get something from it. It's kind of my, my interpretation of it. I get, I get what you mean. But when you talk about the business side of football, it's mm-hmm. not about winning the game. Mm-hmm. Because the, the most profitable business in football is Arsenal. Mm-hmm. Because uh, Arsene Wenger is an economist. Mm-hmm. What he does is about profits. And he, that, that's why he's given this, he was given this stick for because he he sells uh, good players at a mm-hmm. high rate and then buys uh, cheaper players and put them up, in a sense. Mm-hmm. But Man United is a loss-making company. Yeah. Yes, it's it's billionaire billion. But if you look at the PNL, those football clubs are not profitable per se. Mm-hmm. They are profitable on the marketing side, mm-hmm. not on the football side. Mm-hmm. If you look at one of the players that United had was Park Ji Sung, mm-hmm. was a South Korean player. He wasn't great, but he wasn't too bad. He was bought and he, he, they recovered his uh, transfer fee within weeks mm-hmm. because this was the first South Korean uh, player in the Premier League and all Asian people started buying uh, uh, buying T-shirts and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. So on that part, yes. Yes, I do agree that football and I think it's it kind of loses the the touch of football is when it gets to to uh, too much of profit on and the business side of it mm-hmm. but uh, I don't think you can do anything out of it now it's it's the whole system of capitalism that is there <laughs> and uh, you can't you it's it's the world 
revolves around it. So mm-hmm. no, you can't do much about it, but you need to be able to know that uh, sport should remain a sport first, and then and then the business side comes should come second mm-hmm. because uh, entertainment sports should have should have been or should be an entertainment in a sense. Mm-hmm. And I think it's not the case anymore. In terms of, I mean, this is. I mean, said too often, but well, maybe it's, it's worth saying, but the idea of footballers today not caring because they get paid so much. Yeah. Who are your quintessential Manchester United players? Like, who are the people who stand up both contemporary and back to... Contemporary, I wouldn't say. I, I, I wouldn't find any players spe- specifically now. Okay. But uh, when you look at those players uh, back in the days, it would be Paul Scorse, it would be Teddy Sheringham, mm-hmm. it would be Andy Cole, it would be De Beckham, Van mm-hmm. Roy, yeah, even Ronaldo. Mm-hmm. But uh, in today's team, yes, you have a lot of young uh, young players that have a potential, whether it's Rash or Lingard. Or, but uh, you can't have any specific player that you would say would uh, would stay in your mind in mm. te- 10 years right now <laughs> it's funny because i was thinking how i guess with i think it said that music the music you listen to when you're like i don't know, 14 to your 20s is the kind of one that imprints on yeah. you and stays your favorite and i was thinking i was maybe going to call you saying you were bitter and just being <laughs> like you were focusing on like the team when you were because you put them on a pedestal maybe yeah. but it's Maybe an element of that, but also I guess the results are backing you up in saying yeah. that it isn't the same. So it's it's not just a case of oh, weren't these days better? Because you can you can put a number to it and say that we are not winning as many yeah. trophies. Yeah, and even even in the last few years, when uh, when you had Ronaldo in the team, Ronaldo is one of the players which you would remember in the Man United team, mm-hmm. even though we were not winning as many many trophies as uh, in the early two thousands. Mm-hmm. But uh, you still had players, but in the last three, four years, I could, I, I don't think you would remember any names in 10 years. That is, that is uh, what I think the, the benchmark is. Would you remember the name of that player in 10, 15, 20 years? Mm-hmm. And I don't think you would. Yeah. Right now. Yeah. Maybe one of those young birds could do it in the next two year, two or three years, but. In the last few years, I don't think you would. And even managers, you wouldn't remember quite a lot of the post-Ferguson managers mm. in 10, 15 years. You would have to try to, to Google it or find <laughs> it somewhere else. Mm-hmm. I guess maybe going in the other extreme, I guess when I get interested in something, whether that be, um, I don't know, a band or genre of music or a comic book or anything, I tend to look into the history of it because I, I yeah. sort of want to know everything about it. With football, I've never done that with Leicester City. Like, I'm aware of like Peter Shelton and Gary Lineker and yeah. players who were around before my time. But I find it interesting how there's a sense of clubs like Manchester United talking about history. But I feel like this might be completely wrong. It's like personal history. Like People think about it from their youth. Yeah. Have you... Do you have interest in Manchester United of the past of, um, God, I've got his name for Bobby Charlton. Like, are those yeah. figures who mean something to you or is it sort of before? No, I think, I think we do. I think I would do. I looked quite a bit at the Munich crash hmm. and how the team was rebuilt after that. So, uh, in a sense, I don't know why, but you feel a kind of, uh, an attachment to those people in those, uh, those days, even though you, you had nothing yeah. to do with it. But, uh, I think it depends on the club. Some clubs would have higher history or more history is written down mm-hmm. because they are big clubs. Yeah. 
And I guess, so I think, wasn't Bobby Charlton was Man United's top goal scorer until yeah. Wayne Rooney took over. Uh, I think sort of today is maybe Wayne Rooney's debut at his American club. Yeah. yeah. So I guess, so your attachment to the players, uh, like, they're interesting the names you said earlier, like Scholes, he very yeah. much feels like a Manchester United player because he didn't go to other clubs. Is your attachment to these players based on them staying at Man United? You know how you, when someone leaves, I guess it's different with the American because that almost feels like retiring when you go to the States. Yeah. But if um, Rooney had gone to, well, even when he was at Everton, when he scored, I think, did he score for Everton? And I think the Man United fans might have yeah. booed him and chanted against him. It's weird that you have such a strong attachment to these people and then it's just done. Yeah. Uh, yes and no. If you get, the case of Rooney is, yes, you still have attachment to him, but not as much. But mm-hmm. If you look at the case of Cristiano Ronaldo, yes, uh, he left the club, but I think uh, football fans still have quite a bit of attachment to him. Mm-hmm. I think it depends on the way they went as well and and uh, what they've been saying around around the time they went and uh, stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't think it's uh, very much about uh, leaving the club. It's about how you leave the club and... Uh, I think even even if you look at Peter Schmeichel uh, at one point, Peter Schmeichel is no longer United, but Schmeichel stays in the in the legends. Mm-hmm. So even I know Man United fans that look at Kasper Schmeichel's performance <laughs> because he's the son of Peter Schmeichel, even though he's not a United player. And, mm-hmm. and there's there's been if you look at the blogs, you you'll find there's quite a lot of fans wanting Kasper Schmeichel to come just because he's the son of. Him. Yeah. Uh, no, it's not about leaving the club. It's about how you leave the club and the, what have you left in terms of imprint, I mm. think. Yeah, because I find it interesting with Leicester when Kante left, who essentially won as the trophy, if, yeah. you can, if you can put it down to one person. And then he was getting booed on his return. And exactly. I, I, it's, it's like you say with imprint, clearly he had that massive imprint for that one year. Yeah. But he, he hadn't been a long stay. And I guess maybe that would have had an impact. If he'd yeah. been here for 10 years, he might have had a different response. But um, yeah, I, I couldn't wrap my head around it, the kind of like the animosity towards yeah. him. It's sort of, and I, I guess that's the issue where, because we're emotionally investing in it and they're essentially doing a job. And it's like, it's like say I worked for Tesco and then Sainsbury's offered me more money. You would go. Yeah, it's, I guess if I was a footballer, unless I played for Leicester, it wouldn't mean anything to me. I would go anywhere, I think. But I think what people do not realise in football fans as well is that uh, football is as much of a job as any other job. And uh, uh, if you look at the economics of football, that's why people are paid more, because there's not many people. Economic theory would tell you that there's not that many people with such talents to be able to play at that level. So that's why... I was about to jump in with the shelf that I knew the term, then I forgot it. What is it? Um, In... In elasticity of supply. Exactly. Yes. <laughs> there you go. And there's the elasticity of supply and the demand is high. Mm-hmm. So the supply is very low and the demand is high. So the price goes up. As mm-hmm. So if you had that, that's why antiques are, are expensive. It's not the value of the thing. It's because it's, there's just one of it. Right? Yeah. And that's why it's expensive. So in that sense, people maybe do not realize yes and the the players are aware that the worth is high so in a sense you can't blame them for leaving but you can blame them for leaving in bad terms mm. and i think that's what football fans never want yeah 
It's I guess because at the moment, so um, Mares has just left yeah. Leicester, and he um, put in a transfer request. Became I think quite sulky actually, yeah. and he was like a, a shadow of what he had been previously. But intro, I don't think he's gonna get the same negative. I don't know. I can't. I mean, I'm just talking. Yeah, I don't know why it was. No, was Mares stayed longer, and Mares has been playing for more years and more uh, more matches. Mm. But if if you see Mares going there and then playing against Leicester and um, mm-hmm. being all out against Leicester and, mm-hmm. uh, and celebrating against Leicester, you would find fans slowly rejecting him. Yeah. And it's fair enough because fans are supporting not players, but their football team. And uh, mm-hmm. that is, I guess, why you, you lose interest or you lose uh, attachment to players. Mm-hmm. So would you value... If a player, a Manchester United player, left and then they scored against Man United, when they don't celebrate, would that be something that you feel like is? Yeah, I think I think I think it, at least in the first few years, you would want you would want that. You would want uh, some type of respect or some type of yes, you would celebrate, but you shouldn't be celebrating in front like to the fans or it's it's just insulting for for the fans. Like I've been supporting you for that many years, and then as soon as you leave the club, you just do it in my face type of thing. Yeah, yeah. I guess that is the what we've been looking at. So if okay, over the whole time you supported Man United, do you have key moments that you think of? And are those moments trophies, games, players? Like if I say Man United, what comes to your mind? Uh, definitely 1999 because it was when you get emotionally invested into it. Mm-hmm. Then you had the, I think 2001, I, I can't remember the dates, but you had... Key players, David Beckham. You could you could very much remember David Beckham's free kick. Mm-hmm. You could remember Van Nistelrooy's uh, dribbling. You could remember Ronaldo's free kicks and Ronaldo's dribbling. You could remember Keane's uh, high tem- temperament. <laughs> those are those are those are key moments. Uh, Ferguson chewing his. Uh, gum and mm-hmm. shouting and cursing people yeah. it's 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 all part of the of the moments that you'll i think i think you would not forget those moments because you've been emotionally <laughs> attached to it so when you say like um Roy Keane's temperament which is a very polite way of putting it <laughs> <laughs> um or uh, like Fergie chewing his gum and then also i guess everyone's trademarks do i guess like does the personality of the players is that important yeah. i think Players' personality also counts. So, if you remember Cantona's, uh, <laughs> when Cantona came, uh, you, you can still still feel it. Cantona comes to the uh, interview and says, uh, "If the seagulls and stuff like that," uh, he goes and, and gives a random quote. But those are moments in footballing history that you will remember mm-hmm. because of what's been done, mm-hmm. uh, what the temperament of Cantona when Cantona goes and gives a a kick to to a, to a supporter. <laughs> what he kicked a supporter? He kicked the supporter because of uh, because of some racist uh, comments. Okay. So he's kicking the supporter. I think brought him more fans. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not joking about it. That he had he had more fans after going for 12 months or something yeah. like that of not playing football uh-huh. than before that. Nice. So it brings to the legend of the players. Mm. I'm not saying that a player should kick. Yeah, so, so we, I think what I've worked out is for, for Manchester United to really regain that passion, they need to start kicking the supporters at games. No, but there is there are things in 
in history, and I don't, don't think it's just footballing history. Cantona kicking a, a supporter. Yes, you don't kick supporters, but, <laughs> but it's been amazing. Yeah. If you if you look at the finals of the of France versus Italy, mm-hmm. when there was the headbutt. Oh, amazing! Yeah, it's it stays in the history. Yeah, but yes, it's you're not telling people to headbutt other yeah. people, yeah. but those moments in uh, football because foot. Football, in a sense, is not about just 11 people kicking the ball. Yeah. By kicking them, the players. As well. <laughs> <laughs> yes, there's, there's, there's an emotion around that. And then there's, a, there's quite a bit of, uh, of history mm. being, being created. Why you say that football is a religion, in a sense? Yeah, it, yeah I mean, that's, the Dan Headbutt was amazing. Because it was the whole story behind it. Because wasn't there... It took a while to determine what the guy who he Headbutt had said. And wasn't it that, I think... He was holding onto Zidane's shirt, and then Zidane said, I'll give it to you afterwards. And then yeah. he said, I'd rather have your sister. And then he headbutted him. But there was a long time when it was like, had he said something about his mum, had he said something exactly. offensive. Yeah, and it's a moment in history where if you watch that match, you would remember what you were doing at that time. Mm. Yes, it's, it's, it's history. Yeah. Um, in terms of moments, the one where Alex Ferguson kicked the football boot at David Beckham yeah. and it cut his head. Yeah. That became like tabloid as well. Yeah. It's like, I don't know, what, what's your stance on that incident? I think Beckham no longer has hard feelings with Ferguson about it. Because didn't, didn't he have, he had like a ridiculous plaster yeah. that kind of looked like a cartoon one with like two yeah. bands. Like it was. Yeah, so, but it's not things to be done. But if it was done by another manager, it would have been scandalous. It mm-hmm. was, if it's done by Sir Ferguson, at the end of the day, Sir Alex Ferguson for people. <laughs> <laughs> because of the history of uh, the the marriage, yeah. <laughs> I think we've essentially come to the conclusion that they should just keep kicking each other, like keep throwing stuff at each other, keep hitting each other. That's what Manchester United is missing in, in these days. You want the violence to come back. You want the emotions to come back. <laughs> you want the emotions to come back, not the violence, but the emotions. Yeah. When you look at 1999, there was no violence. Okay. Let's, yeah. let's make let's make it clear. We don't want to to finish on a note of violence, <laughs> but uh, it's emotions to come back to the game. So I guess in terms of Manchester United identity, Sir Alex Ferguson was that for well, essentially yeah. the whole of your life up to when he yeah. left. Did you have an emotional response to him leaving, or was it just like just that he was leaving? No, yeah, we did. I did have an emotional response to it. I don't think any football fan who supports Manchester United wants Sir Alex Ferguson <laughs> to be leaving. Yes, I know that retirement should be there when he needs to retire, <laughs> but you feel, especially the fact that I've not known another manager. Yeah. And after that, it's been quite in uh, shambles. You can't, you can't really identify yourself to the team yeah. as much because you can't put the blind trust in the manager mm-hmm. you question what the manager is doing yeah. and uh, this is not what uh, is as much the case when folks is what's there you get a bit steamy eye during his uh, leaving speech <laughs> not as far as that but you feel you feel quite an end of an era type of thing yeah and uh, it's more leaving in the blank because you don't know what's going to happen next mm. For me personally, I would be more comfortable with one of the one of the all players taking over the team, mm-hmm. just because you feel some type of reassurance, even though they don't know how to manage a team. You would feel, <laughs> you would feel some type of reassurance that it's a family face yeah. and not a an outsider. 
mm-hmm. I guess that is uh, identification with the team. Mm. But there are loads of great managers outside, but personally, I would prefer someone in bread. Mm. Oh, I guess that's from you having had Sir Alex Ferguson as a manager for so long. I guess you would have that impression where it's, it's kind of like a continuity, I guess, yeah. where you're kind of searching for that while... Yeah. With every, with most of the clubs, there isn't that. It's just whoever, yeah. whoever can do it. Yeah, and then and then the change every two years or every three years is not something that you, I personally feel okay with. Mm-hmm. You you want that continuity. I guess it's just because I'm I'm used to continuity in a, in a team, and you don't want to be changing managers every year or every two years. Mm-hmm. I guess it's it's the norm today, but personally. I think given the history of Manchester United, they could have prepared someone to take over the club. Mm. It's almost like a monarchy. Yeah, <laughs> it should be. It's, I guess it's also so brutal being a football manager in the sense of with Leicester, Claudio Manieri wins the Premier League yeah. with a team who were supposed to get relegated yeah. and then is sacked the following season. Yeah, it's brutal because of the expectations, the result expectations. And I think it's what... Uh, has given the game a bad uh, impression. Mm -hmm. There's been a bad impression of the game today because it's so Mm results-oriented. A football manager that can't win the Premier League Mm -hmm. between the top four is on the sack list Mm -hmm. as soon as after after one year or two years Mm -hmm. maximum. So I personally don't feel comfortable with that. And uh, Players can go, but uh, you would need a core of players Mm -hmm. that stay. And I think the manager needs to be longer term. It can't be changing every two years. Mm. And correct me if I'm wrong, but didn't Sir Alexson have peaks and troughs in the sense there might yeah. be a couple barren years, but you give that person the opportunity exactly. to get it better? I think it took him more than, I'm not sure how many years, but it took him quite some years to win trophies mm-hmm. after he got in. If that had happened with today, mm-hmm. he would have been sacked after one year. Yeah. And he was nearly sacked after one or two years. Mm-hmm. So, So that's... That's the history of what uh, is happening today. You can't afford to not win three three years in a row. You get sacked. Mm. I found a, I found a good quote. This is this was for an earlier part of the country chat. When I, this was from um, Clifford N. Lazarus called "Why Optimism Can Be Bad for Your Mental Health" <laughs> <laughs> from Psychology Today. So I really quite like this. So um, the difference between false optimism and rational optimism can be captured by two different statements. One, there's nothing to be concerned about. Everything will be just grand. That's false optimism. The second statement reflects realistic optimism too. We've got a real mess on our hands. Things don't look good, but if we tackle it step by step, we can probably do something about it. It's also important to realise that in some circumstances, change cannot be achieved. (laughs) (laughs) And then you have pessimism. (laughs) Everything's going to shit. And everything will be going to shit. But that's you, isn't it? (laughs) (laughs) Murphy's Law. Yeah, well, I can say as someone who had, uh, when we lived together, had a Murphy's Law post on you all. But I feel like, so call me out on this. While that might, you, I guess you would, wouldn't necessarily describe yourself as a pessimist, but someone who would perhaps see me as being an optimist. Yeah. But I wouldn't say you have that necessarily about football. That seems strange to say considering how much you've been bad-mouthing the current team. Yeah. But I get a sense that, I don't know, do you think things are going to get better? Are going to get better? Yeah. Not in the next 10 years. Oh, I'm completely wrong. <laughs> <laughs> Not in the next 10 years. I feel that watching the football in the next 10 years would be quite miserable. Mm. But uh, I'm trying to put the bar low to, <laughs> to not be even worse. So if it makes you miserable, why do you still do it? Because like, not to like trivialise it, but it is kind of like a hobby. 
but it's no longer a hobby when you get emotionally invested into football mm-hmm. you watch a football match uh, just because it's your team and you would wake up i used to do that while at uh, school i would wake up uh, at midnight because i'm not in the uk to watch a football match and go to bed at two o'clock to wake up at six to go to school yeah just because it was a man united match it's crazy but i think i think it's why why uh in a sense football is not just a hobby mm-hmm. for many people it becomes people become very much emotionally invested into it and the hobby becomes a passion and a and then it becomes your your life your lifestyle is <laughs> is around it my dad my dad missed a close cousin's wedding because there was a man united match on so it's uh, it's uh, and it's just watching on tv not even going to the yeah. football match mm. because we were saying with the england international team how the expectations of the england national team sort of diminished because they'd not been great for a while yeah. but it feels like manchester united as a brand will always mean something. Yeah. And even though, like, Leicester Man United haven't got any particular, like, rivalry, it always seems like a big game. Yeah. And I think the first game I ever saw was Leicester Man U, and we got Trounce 4-1. <laughs> and then I remember, what was it, maybe uh, over a decade later, when Leicester beat Man U, I think it was 5-3, and yeah. Jamie Vardy just tore apart your defence. And it was just like, it just it means something to beat Man United, yeah. Because in a sense, Man United has become more than just a team, more like an empire in a sense. Yeah. So it's like uh, uh, I'm trying to find a parallel. If uh, you beat uh, the British Empire in a in a war, wherever it is in the world, mm-hmm. you feel that pride. Yeah. You've managed to beat the great British Empire, mm-hmm. even though the British Empire doesn't mean anything yeah, anymore. Yeah you still have that feeling. Mm. So in in a sense, Man United, Liverpool, those two teams will have an empire feeling mm-hmm. always. And I think that is why whenever there's any team playing Man United or Liverpool, it's a big game. Yeah, I mean, well, that was the criticism that was leveled at like Chelsea and Man City yeah. in terms of just being like having no exactly. history. But uh, interesting how in um, your mentioning the moments that struck you, they were mostly positive moments. Yeah. You didn't mention, uh, was it, what was it, the 2012 season, was it, when Manchester City scored in like the, the 93rd minute? Oh, yeah, you remember that, but then you remember <laughs> it negatively. So it's a moment where uh, I remember watching it and then uh, I think there was a billboard saying uh, Manchester is blue <laughs> on the Manchester High Street. Mm-hmm. And you remember that, mm-hmm. but it's not a positive moment. So it's not something that you, you would remember, you, you would want to remember, but you remember it in any case. Yeah. Do you, what's your feeling towards Man City? It's like, do you feel oh, that rivalry? Yeah, you feel the rivalry, but not, uh, I guess if I was living in Manchester, I yeah. would have felt it more. I guess any team losing out to another team in those moments, you would feel a, uh, non-positive uh, feeling about that player that put that goal. Mm-hmm. So uh, Aguero is one, what, you can remember how Aguero was doing after the, he scored that goal. So <laughs> whenever you see the guy, you feel this is the one. Yeah. So in that sense, yes. Yes, you do have some animosity. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I guess you already answered this. I was going to, you were saying that you're going to stay with Manchester United even through the, the bad years. Yeah. I guess with me, I was interested in football for a while and then I sort of fell out of love with it and sort of came back into it. That's never been the case with you or has no, it? No, <laughs> hasn't been the case. Yes, but 
when when you're in those phases, sometimes you don't watch all the matches mm-hmm. because if you just like, I've got to work tomorrow morning and uh, I know it's going to be an awful night. Mm-hmm. I'll just check the scores or stuff like that, but you won't stay in front of the TV watching the full match. Yeah. Because you know at some point it will just get dreadful. <laughs> I guess the issue that I think I had was, I think unless we're uh, probably in the championship when I sort of fell out of them for a bit. Not that I dissed them as soon as they're in the championship. It was just coincidental. But um, the... <laughs> you say so. <laughs> I got back into them when they were still in the championship. I think I might have missed the year they were in League One. but um. When you are in the lower divisions, you don't get anywhere near as much TV coverage. Yeah. And it reached a point where I would always check the scores and it would be losing. And I realized I was just making myself miserable from numbers. Like yeah. I wasn't getting any of the pleasure. Yeah. You don't even, you're not even seeing the games. You're not seeing exactly. the goals necessarily. Exactly. So it's about watching the football that gives you the... But when you're watching a football match that is... Uh, you know it's going to be dreadful you become even more measurable than just seeing the scores. Yeah. And that's that doesn't sound great. <laughs> and actually, do you do you like, I don't know, this might sound stupid, but do you like football as a sport? Because I can often find, in matches where I don't have that emotional investment, yeah. I can find it really dull. Like, And I think football is one of those things where I think when football is amazing, I think, I think there's few things like it. Yeah. But a lot of the time, I find it tedious. <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, if I was watching... I don't know, Stoke versus Lille. Mm-hmm. It's not a very common fixture. <laughs> <laughs> it's not a very common fixture, but it's it's not a fixture that you would uh, you would find it yourself emotionally attached to. Yeah. And uh, okay, there's there's a few incidents, there's a few goals. You don't feel that it's so football in a sense is, I guess, the emotional attachment brings football what it is. Because mm. I was t- uh, just flicking through channels one time, and there was. Um, I think the final of I don't know, the international netball competition. Yeah. And it was England versus Australia, who was yeah. supposedly the number one and two yeah. seeds. And it was amazing. Like I and I guess I could have had some sort of attachment with being England, but yeah. not particularly. Like I hadn't thought, I didn't know any of the players' names. And I found it the most engaging, like back to I don't know what the, the equivalent of a goal is, but the goal of like from either end to either end net. But it's um and I've, I think it's very rare that I've just sat down and watched a random football match and really had that from it. Yeah. And I think that's what my main criticism of Man United has been in the last few years. You don't have that. Mm. These are the case for many, many teams, not just Man United mm. today. So I think it's the fact that football is becoming, in a sense, dull for, <laughs> for quite a lot of people. That's probably, <laughs> probably a good point to wrap. I mean, the, the, yeah. But so football is becoming dull. And they need to, the way to improve that is to then you start kicking fans again. Yeah. If you do, if you do a cantona, if you do a cantona, I think you'll bring quite some million people yeah. back to the game. <laughs> another cantona, bring back another cantona. Um, um, is that a, is that a good note to end on? <laughs> <laughs> I think so.